Sentire Media. Welcome and thank you so much for downloading our little podcast from Italy on a rainy, overcast, drizzly. What's today? It's Wednesday. Wednesday, Wednesday, the seventh of September. Summer has come and gone. It and feels like Seattle. <laughs> it feels like Seattle. <laughs> and it's time to do another podcast. I think we're uh, finishing up a little pause here from the summer to the autumn guests. We did a little work around the house and responding to our lovely listeners. And thank you for sending the requests for us to keep the podcast going. This was a great. Um, I got a little Instagram message this morning, and we thought, you know what? They're right. It's time to hit record and give you guys an update. We laugh. The last podcast was a doozy. <laughs> so my name is Jason. I'm, you already heard Ashley. Together we run, own, and operate La Tavola Marche, an agriturismo here in the central Italy, which we, we're still standing. We also own and operate <laughs> in a different manner. No half measures, our filmmaking and consulting business as well. So we're going to talk a little bit about everything that's been going on out here. All right, start us off. All right, so um, we thought we should start off with the earthquake. And, Ben, we are so incredibly lucky. We not only didn't feel anything, we had no damages, um, we didn't even know it happened until we woke up and came inside and turned on the good old Facebook kind of thing. And all the messages were flooding in and people checking on us. And, and um, gosh, it's so overwhelming to think of how many people reached – of you guys that reached out to us that we've never met or that our friends and family making sure we're okay. But, it's, but it's, um, we're not the people to reach out to. There's, there's a oh my town gosh. that's literally been wiped off the map. So. It is – devastating to see the photos um and it's really been interesting to listen to the neighbors and people talk about it like i said we didn't really feel it it happened at about three something in the morning then you hear someone like rosana gaji's wife and fano much farther and she said she was thrown out of bed you know there were all these dramatic stories that you think were you really um and something that was really interesting that happened we got a lot of inquiries on where people should send donations and it was really hard to, I kind of just said the Italian red cross for a lack of a better, um, answer in the sense of here in Italy, you you can't send money and there's, um, you can, you have to choose or do both, but it's not a general fund. You can either send it to the region of Umbria or the region of Marque and they, um, were plastering all over television and whatnot. IBAN, 16-digit bank codes. So it wasn't like an easy, here's a site, um, go to save a matri to uh-uh. <laughs> and it was just... You have to send a wire transfer to this bank classic bank account, and it's literally a 16-digit And I guess it was a IBAN. disaster. I guess you could also do it through Tim and some of that, but I get, So we don't have any answers for people except to say that... It's going to be a long road ahead. I, I don't know. It sounds like they're not sure if they're going to rebuild the city or what. Um, and it was the heart of the city. So, and so much of the surrounding earthquakes happen a lot out here. And yeah, everyone knows we live in earthquake country. Mm-hmm. It's not a secret. No, Jason is um, not that he's flippant or doesn't have um, empathy towards earthquake, but he grew up in San Francisco and I'm like just used to it. Yeah, last fall we had a handful of little. Trevors or jolts, what would you call them? Little earthquakes. Yeah, little earthquakes. And I would freak the F 
out. I was like, oh my God. All of a sudden, the energy would be pulsing through me. And I'd be like, if I go in the house, oh my God. And Jason was like, nothing even moved on the walls. The glasses are still standing. Like, he'd almost be laughing at me going, this is nothing compared to what I've lived through. But it's just one of the things that happen out here. I mean. Well, it's really interesting growing up with earthquakes. I hear, you hear them and feel them before it comes. And if you know what it sounds like and what it feels like, it's like this really deep um deep sound with a with a it's like no other like dull roar that you've ever heard and that's what i hear before the earthquake actually maurizio comes. said he thought it was a big thunderstorm happening that and that's what woke him up he went to go to the bathroom yeah i grew up in seattle so it's not the same for me but well, we grew up of course there was the one in 88 that that devastated san francisco but then after for years after there'd be weekend i remember growing up Every Friday night for like a month or two, there'd be earthquakes. Every, like not big ones, but you know, you, you a lot stronger than we, what we felt here. And you just kind of get, I, I like anything else. I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's what happened. I mean, that's all I know is from growing up in California, there's always been earthquakes. Well, and there was the big one not that many years ago in Laquila. When we, when we arrived. That yeah. Happened. And... Do you remember what when we looked at properties? Yeah, because we asked about we asked about. So are these seismic? You know, are these reinforcement for the earthquake? And the lady looks at us and goes, "They are made of stone. If it's big enough, they all come down." And it's true, <laughs> masonry is terrible for earthquakes because it doesn't give. However, this big old house, she sure takes a beating. We yeah, might find some re- stones look, on the look, floor. Look up. You see oh my gosh! A, we actually, in the last ten years, have noticed this. The um, some of the beams kind of well, I don't know, not rotating, but there's been movement. And, no, I don't know <laughs> if that's just wood. What, what what these do over time? I don't know if it's. I don't know. You know, black mold freaks me out. So the <laughs> these old houses. So moving on, let's chat about our summer. We have to say a huge um bell to the Dutch, and they saved our summer, man. Y- if you guys listen to the podcast, you know that um, we didn't have much time to get this season going, and we found out late that we were going to be operating and had about. Not quite a month to get the house ready and hopefully get some guests in here. And our neighbors to the far north, they showed up and uh, cars full of kids. (laughs) But it was great. We had familiar faces and damn near the whole uh, village of Blomendal. Blomendal was here and it was great. Kids and families are fantastic. I came from a huge, wild, loud Catholic, Irish, half-drunk family, functioning alcoholics. Everyone's yelling at each other and having a good time. (laughs) And I like it. I like a big house like this filled with people. and, And most of these families knew each other, so it was great. And it's also absolutely exhausting. Jason was really fun and built for the first time ever. We built a giant slip and slide. It was awesome. So I don't know. How long? Like, let's tell the details. 15 meters. How did you do it? So all I did is go to the hardware store, got a huge piece of plastic, and we have a well, uh, uh, this tube that comes from, I can turn the pump on the well and a huge tube of water comes out well you have also like a standing um you first tried to do it with a huge standing um kind of like farm style yeah i have a giant like what you would see in the middle of a giant field sprinkler i mean this thing shoots water 
I don't know, 50 meters in the air. But that was the problem. It shot it too far. Yeah. <laughs> so they went with the hose, the big tube. And we put it on a little grade and a little bit of <laughs> – and the kids came up with the soap idea. I never knew to put soap on the, on the slip and slide. But, I didn't even see that one. Um, yeah, they, we, they had a blast. It and, was really fun. And then you'd hear him call for Jason, Jason, slip and slide. <laughs> to turn back the pump, turn the pump back on. And, so we got to do stuff like that because um, when you have big groups, it's it's just easier to coordinate stuff. Mm-hmm. And, it was really fun because we could do like Bistake Night where we did huge Bistake Fiorentinas for the parents and like meat pops for the kids, just like grilled sausages and things like well, that. Well, the kids outnumbered the parents. That big time. <laughs> We found out three kids is uh, cool up in Holland, but four right now, that's hot. hot. It's hot. So um, big families. And like we said, it's it's a blast. But also then you come around the corner and you're like, why are the children using the apples to have a full-on war? There's so many things they could do, but yet they're taking the premature apples off the trees, half eating them, which I don't even know why they would do it. They ate the whole week. I'm like, you guys, you guys, those are so starchy still. They're not ready yet. I have no idea what and they were doing. They're there. like, ah! And then they would have these huge apple fights, or they would ask for a bucket and think they were doing something really nice, and they would pick all these unripe apples, and it was like, oh my god, <laughs> there goes our apple tree. But or somehow, um, the pool. The pool is always amazing with children. From the amount of sunscreen slathered on pasty white children from the north, um, <laughs> to um, the fact that like there's lights on the side of the pool and. I don't know. Children. We swept, We swam in there for a month, and you even used the robo to clean the pool, and those lights never went anywhere. No. For some reason, children love to go up to the pool lights and just rip them off the side of the pool. To me, that would I would think I'd be electrocuted just because <laughs> that seems so dangerous, but their little fingers are so... I don't, I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know. They're... It is drawn to there. But it's really... It's fun. I mean, it's... it's uh, it's ex- it's exhausting, but it's it's fun to have them all, and we and we ended up having a good summer. I know you made a makeshift uh, tennis court in the front yard. Yeah, we made a tennis <laughs> we made a tennis court. In the you front were beat yard. horribly by ten year olds. They're good tennis players. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, also with having families, we noticed, like Jason said, the menu changes. So you want to have things that not. That not, not to say that not are as refined, but that are more family-friendly and that the kids will like. Because when the children are outnumbering the parents and we do I, yeah. big dinners, we don't have a menu that people choose from. So it's a chef's choice every Whatever's night, but that on. means chef's got a hard choice to make. <laughs> well, if, for instance, I have, we had 18 or 20 and it's like 12 kids and 8 adults. So... You have to think if we're doing, you know, um, even though... Antipasti. Yeah, those kind of things. So, and taking things from the garden. So this year, Jason had a bunch of... It was really funny. He had a bunch of um, round zucchini. I hated them. No, they were a gift from Carolyn. Everyone hated them. Except the only way he could think to use them, and every recipe that you'd look up says stuffed zucchini. And he was like, man, I don't want to freaking make stuffed zucchini. Basically, it's a meatball inside of a round... Half of a round zucchini. Which is kind of um, Olive Garden-esque, and definitely not what Jason normally would serve ever <laughs> and people freaking well, loved it well yeah it's so that it goes hysterical. to my question it was hysterical he would have this beautiful antipasti spread maybe a fennel and peach salad something really different and and that's what i mean a little more refined and and just beautiful and 
um, you know, some other great dishes. And then at the end of the meal and, you know, you'd have the whole pop out Pomodoro for, um, Primo. And you're like, God, that tomatoes taste so good. How'd you get that flavor? And then some sort of meat dish. And then at the end of the meal, they'd say, Oh, wow. That stuffed zucchini. <laughs> How was that done? And you'd think, out of everything, we're going back to the freaking meatball in the little round zucchini. So it just made Jason think. So that's my question. Do you, for instance, um, we have beautiful fa- um, um, poultry here, but I never, I never make a roasted chicken or a, or a roasted guinea hen or capon or because. What I feel like is people eat a lot of chicken, or that's something that people can do at home. When you come out here, you want something different. So is this really what you want? <laughs> is this really? I know. That was the question. Like, or is this what you're familiar – is this what they're familiar with, and therefore they – Respond to that? Respond to that. Because what I want to do when I travel is have things that I've never had before. So if you – for instance, I never do carbonara. I just don't like it, and I feel like you can find at, at every – hokey italian restaurant from the uk all over europe and to the, america but the to, tragedy is i'm sure with our eggs from our hens it I'm would sure be it's delicious incredible and i'm sure the guests would love it jason never you will never he's never, never made, made it. it i'm really not that good i don't like it well you can make it because my brother that's the one thing well, you yeah. taught my brother um, <laughs> but but like uh, uh matriciana absolutely yes um because it's I don't know. It's everything from the garden, and it's really simple, and it's something that maybe they people haven't had as much before. But what is it people really want? What is it really people want? Is it that do you, do you give them what you want eventually, or is that the thing of listen? This is why we became went into business for ourselves because in New York that's what I had to do. It's like I had to I'll do all that you know. Give you had to give want. them what they want. Here I get to do what I want, and hopefully whoever comes trusts me enough that it'll be. Good, I guess. Well, it's funny because your brother says, "What's it's good, it's good. If it's good, <laughs> if it's, it's good. good, it's good." <laughs> but then, yeah, I talked to my brother, and he wants to go have the car. Oh, I can't wait to have carbonara and bolognese and all that. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's interesting. I don't know. So. T- send Not us your that thoughts. those things aren't delicious. No, but, but Jason's more interested in also doing something like um, one of the antipasti nights. We did the confit. And that is like two days and a lot of process. And that is much more, I think, enjoyable for you to watch a guest and um, savor than the zucchini. Stuff zucchini. Well, that goes to a whole other thing. I mean, I do, do they come out here for Frenchy kind of food? Oh, and- no. I just mean something that t- – I use that as an example because they had both of those. And something that takes more time. Well, my, my thing is should I do more of those crowd pleaser kind of things? Should I serve – you know, meatballs. You know they go crazy with bruschetta. And like pop, like just the tomatoes. Tomato br- like this summer we did it and it, and everyone loves it. And of course it's delicious. We eat it all the time. Mm. But I very rarely would serve just tomato bruschetta, like grilled bread with chopped tomatoes. Because it's like, it's delicious, yes, and I grew the tomatoes, but... You can get that everywhere. I want to do something True. different and something more interesting. I say pepper it in here and there because it is a crowd pleaser and then stretch them stretch them with something, you know. Like I'm not going to serve a liver crostini to a bunch of to 12 kids All the and kids. adults. No, exactly. But 
you would have liked to have served. I would have liked to because who knows, maybe three or four of the, the – I know all the adults would like it, but maybe three or four of the kids would. Most of them won't, but who knows? It, you know, it's better than chicken nuggets and we have a lot of – yeah. Well, speaking of things that uh, have been going on and questions Jason has for the listeners – the lawnmower. Okay, so my rotting lawnmower. <laughs> so yesterday, it fin- I don't know if I just realized it or it just finally did itself in, but I broke the frame. The, not even where one of the, not even where some of the tubes attach to the frame, but the actual like front part of the mechanism where it, all this forward of the weld that brings the um, mechanism to cut and that takes it to the, it's. <laughs> Where the wheels and the mechanism to cut and all that the is front kind of, end front end is all welded together about three or three centimeters in front of that there's a break on each side, so I think it's done well, you should also let people know this is not a uh, anywhere near new oh this is mower. twenty years old we've been <laughs> keeping this together with bailing wire and it was and... it was like being held together when we arrived. I think we've talked about it before <laughs> jason has i've rolled it over a flower bed like a rock rockery beds jason and bent the frame jason's no, rolled you it bent, you bent the bent cutting the, mechanism yes. it never worked right since <laughs> whatever you rolled it down the hill twice yes. I had to tell him to stop trying to catch it. <laughs> um, and well, anyway, anyway. So he's got a question. It's, it's, it's done. But what I do have is a Briggs & Stratton vertical shaft 13 horsepower motor that runs beautifully. And what I'm trying to think of is what can I now do with this? So if anyone's into p- fabricating stuff and putting stuff together, I wanted to build like a go-kart with it. But then you go online here in Italy to karting. <laughs> and this is... I think of a go kart as something you build in your sh- in your work, you know, in your shop that you find parts and kind of put it together. And You're thinking more soapbox almost, like with a motor. Yeah, maybe this. Is, think of a small little Formula One car for twelve <laughs> year olds that cost thousands of thousands of euros. Hardcore. I went, I went online to look at. Okay, well, I'll get a little frame, you know, I'll, and I'll put some crappy wheels on it and i'll find but no 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 that's not how it is done here in italy they it's like um if you want to be a race car driver you start out <laughs> when you're eight years old in these carts and they're expensive and hardcore so if anyone has how an would I, you like to use it i would like to use it either what i'm either going to do is find a some kind of four wheel frame with a four wheels and a steering wheel that i can put on it to uh and then put a little cart behind it to haul wood and stuff around or if anyone else has another idea, I don't need a log splitter. Um, it's a vertical shaft, so it doesn't the, the the power doesn't come out the side. So it's you have to put a transmission, some kind of something to make it go power wheels. You were talking about power washer. Yeah, we could hook it up to a pressure washer. That sounds or boring. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love well, whatever. A good this power is boring washer. from ninety nine percent. There's one person <laughs> listening who is interested in this crap, and, like I am, and we'll have an idea. So email me, Jason. It's probably my dad. <laughs> Jason at latavlamarque dot com. If you have any good ideas, and you can point me to a website, I've been doing a little bit of research. But this is a project probably for winter. Oh, for sure. But um, little um. BattleBot style. <laughs> so what else have we been doing? Um, we had, like Jason said, we're on a little break before the fall starts. We've got guests coming tomorrow, actually. We thought since, um, as mentioned earlier, that we um, 
had a quick start to the season unexpectedly, we painted the entire downstairs because we were not as prepared as we normally are, to be honest. And thankfully, we weren't eating inside and things like that. And um, most everything has been done outside. So we thought, let's put a fresh coat of white paint. So, um, (laughs) so. And by white paint, Jay, what color, what kind of, so you want to get into so that? I was going to get into that. <laughs> so we live in a very old stone house and, um, this is Italy. So we go down, first of all, the, oh, the, and deep country, deep country. So first of all, when you go to paint, there's, um, the stucco, the last layer, and then, uh, starts, you know, chipping away cause moisture gets in. Also, we had a problem with around each electrical box where you'd plug, you know, each plug. Something moisture somehow gets in there, and the cement that hold that's around there just crumbles. So, well, and we're talking this house just as a precursor was restored um, in '97. So it's been, so it's time. Yeah, I mean these things happen. So first, I got to learn how to throw mud, uh, which is you make this cement and you throw it on the wall and have it stick, and then you have to scrape it down to make it level, and then put the last layer of stucco on. So I learned how to do all that. I think it came out for an amateur. It came out not bad. Jason's becoming a moratore. Um, it's really came out good. And we did it all the stark white. And we were talking about, hmm, what color white should we do? We, it's, it's, you know, we're, it's cave-like down here. There's, but there's the stone. And we were thinking kind of a, like a war, like kind of a stony white would be nice. Um, heavily white. Cause it's something that would go with the stone and, but not be too bright. And we've got a lot of, you know, we've had it be kind of a pale, yellow and um so it wouldn't be too much of a dramatic difference but something nice so jason goes into the paint shop and it's a legit paint shop it's a giant for out here it's a giant like commercial they have you know the the 20 15 liter buckets of paint and it's for people like painters going there i asked for the color wheel i'll take this watch and he brings it home and i'm like where the hell's the whites and he's like, this is the color wheel. And I said, well, where the hell's the white? <laughs> he's like, what? Well, we realized all they had. Well, of course, there were some dark colors in this and that. But it was damn near 90% pastels, shades of pinks and pales, and yellows oranges. Think and Italy oranges. colors, yes. right? The pastel-y, like you can have any color like that. And so it was like, what the hell, where's white? So then we go in and I'm talking, you know. I'm just surprised because I'm thinking you must not have gotten the right thing. I don't know. And we go in there and we're like, we'd like to do white. And they say, great, here's the bucket. (laughs) There was no um, 50 shades of white. Um, No eggshell, luminescent, bright white, off white, anything. It was, here's your bucket of white. Bucket of Bianco. It's white. And it is bright white. So I'm a little bit nervous for fingerprints and things like that because we're not used to it. But it I'm looks good. I'm also nervous for having white in a kitchen. That's kind of what I mean, too. Just the. Because here you can buy. Here the paint is not washable. You can get washable paint, but it's not latex paint based at all here. And, um, and weirdly, you have to add water to it. Yeah, it's di- yeah, you have to dilute it with water. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, and I just, I'm used to latex based paint that you could, that's totally washable here. No. So to do the whole kitchen and washable paint is really expensive. Yeah. So we didn't. <laughs> and we did the dining room, living room area, kitchen, our clean. place. It, it feels clean. good. So another one off the list. We have been jarring tomatoes way more than we expected to. We had a smaller garden this year, Jason and Gaji. Planted half. 
Yeah, but half did really well. The tomatoes <laughs> did well. Did really um, well. Beans did not do well this year. Onions did great. Always. Um, zucchini, eh, half and half. The round Pump- ones did excellent. Pumpkins didn't do very well. Peppers didn't do very well. Um, no. But, but tomatoes did okay. We yeah, did get the... the- Corre de Bue, Bue, the heart of the bull. Those the big, are the so ones. good too. Um, but we have plenty of jars this year. We we got our onions down. We did. Uh, uh, I planted two jalapeno plants because we we love Mexican salsa, and it's just not here. So we have to grow our own cilantro, own cilantro, coriander, and our own uh, jalapeno peppers. And that the pe- the jalapenos did great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I just got. I think the peppers should have done better. I just got bad. I think I got bad peppers. Or Weak just peppers. Didn't, I don't know. Or planted them on a planted them snap. wrong. I don't know. Well, also, it is hunting season. Hunting season opened. Gaji's in uh, full form. You hear the calls out in the field. Yeah. Oh! Hey! Alessio! Oh! <laughs> so, you hear the packs of the crazy hunting dogs barking, barking, and the guys screaming at each other. Not a lot of gunshots yet. No, no. The other afternoon I heard some, and it caught my ear, but... Um, Hunting season's Tis open. This, and speaking of hunting season, I wish we had a gun. PETA people, relax. But uh, we saw the freaking fox literally trying to eat the rooster in front of us. And in the middle of the afternoon, I couldn't believe it. In the, We were gone for a couple days. The chickens were in the coop, came back, let them out for the afternoon. And that same freaking very afternoon... The fox is back trying to attack the rooster. I come around the corner and I'm screaming Jason when all I really wanted to scream was, get get the gun, get the gun. (laughs) And it was like we're trying to throw a rock at him. And thankfully, Jason Jason was able to scare him away and he dropped dropped the rooster and just kind of gave him a good scare. But now we have to keep the chickens in the coop. And I don't know. This... Well, hopefully Fox was we'll, bigger than expected. Hopefully with the hunters coming out right now and oh, the dogs being true. around, hopefully that'll keep the fox more to this tonight. guy was waiting. Yeah, he was waiting. But now in the in the morning and in the afternoon, there's going to be hunters. So That's true. That might keep the fox more to his knock because he's ballsy. Mm-hmm. He is really ballsy. Freaking 430. so we were talking about the jarring and pickling and i think this would be a great segue into 2017 because we are really excited next august um we're going to offer two preserving workshops on preserving pickling and jarring and um we'll do uh like jason was saying like some of the pickled peppers um or pickled green beans we're going to talk about pickling versus um pasteurizing we're gonna so we'll all about jarring so pasteurization where you put the jars into the uh bath of hot water and boil them and that you do for some things and then we'll talk about uh the uh pickling how you can um a different method of jarring where you heat the jars, the liquid, but keep the uh, whatever your the main ingredient cold, pour them all together, and that can create the seal as well. Um, we're going to do preserving of fruit um, and also confine. and confine, so preserving under fat, and that's another way of preservation where you cook something in fat really, really slowly and the, uh, keep it in there, and that um, layer of fat on top does not let air get in, so 
that's one of the things you need for, for bacteria is oxygen. And everyone has asked from the guests to online questions, how we jar our tomatoes. We'll do so it together. So this is it. We're going to do both passata and in pieces. So you'll get a bit of both. And, and we'll f- whatever's coming off the garden. Exactly. We'll, we'll pickle and jar and preserve and put up and we can we'll make it into a weekend three days so check out the website latavlamarque.com um i've started to update the calendar for 2017 and that is on there now um we've got two um workshop weekends set up for that and i think it'll be a blast something totally different and one new course that isn't on the website yet that jason is really excited about yeah i think we're gonna buy a gelato machine so i'm inspired by our friends at gelateria maki in fano and um they have a it's a professional gelato machine but it only makes one kilo at a time so he has a he has this but he has giant ones that make you know 50 kilos at a time. But I think it'll be fun to add in a new course, something to do in the summer. I've always wanted to do gelatos and sorbets, and I think it's just such a nice addition to the dinners and pizza nights and everything. This is, and it's so easy, and we have so much stuff coming out of it. I mean, And this is, um, for someone who maybe isn't normally interested in a cooking class, this is a science. science. It's a science. So it's really interesting the way that he taught me. Um, it's really a formula, and you plug in the sugar, fat contents, and a couple of other things into this formula, and that spits out the amounts of each one. So it's really cool. Like if you want to make strawberry gelato, what you have to do is mush up strawberries and then put it on this little instrument that measures its sugar content, kind of the same instrument that the winemakers have. And that's how you get the sugar con- – so, you know, it's the ratio of sugar to fat to – I forget. It's been a while since I... I it's like science, it's equations. It's like science and stuff. And but it's really, really interesting how if you just follow this formula, it comes out every single time. And I didn't know gelato was like that at all. So we're going to play with some of the classes and do it um, where we kind of do a few different styles of gelato as a tasting. We'll start incorporating it into desserts and the other cooking classes. Well, I'm really pumped about sorbets too because you can make a sorbet out of... Like he, like like Antonio showed us, absolutely anything. A few years ago, we did. Um, Antonio from Maki came, and we did a really cool gelato course, and did things like a beer sorbet, and which I loved, and have that with the you know some nuts and things like that. And we tomato. did the tomato, and um, he did cheese. He did a um, gorgonzola, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, just really anything you can think of, you can make a gelato out of. Some I dig, some I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the God's honest. Like some of them you're like. Not going to do that again. Yeah, like, I don't know. I'm sure. I wasn't into the gorgonzola one. But oh, I don't like gorgonzola in, me in neither. general. But the, like I said, the beer is so interesting. I wouldn't have ever thought that that would be um, so delicious. Or you delicious. can do one that's almost like a, um, uh, you can do a little bit of sorbet, like an intermezzo, like a um, gazpacho. gazpacho sorbet. So you just do a tomato, cucumber, basil. basil or, they don't put basil in gazpacho. Oh. Tomato, cucumber, um, lemon juice kind of thing with a little bit of olive oil over the top. And it's like a little intermezzo, you know. I think it's it, going to be fun. I think it'll be fun, too. We'll see how big this machine, I think, is big. I think we'll start doing it with pizza night, too. We'll see. I got to get it and practice. 
Um, and well, before jumping too ahead in 2017, also we still have our Forge Slaughter Butcher this year at the end of October, the 25th through the 30th. Um, a few spaces are still available, so check that out on the website. You can see the video. And um, we had a ton. Of, we've had a good amount of rain this this. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a good, good mushroom and truffle I season. Do too. So um, check out some of our fall foraging packages because it is going to be a good one. And the middle, um, I don't have a calendar in front of me right now, but the middle weekend in October, don't forget as well, not only is it the um, White Truffle Festival in Sant'Angelo, but one of my favorites, the Moto Raduno. And I'm going to have to repost that video soon. To the, get- it's the motorcycle rally in, uh, in Sant'Angelo, and it attracts thousands, like this little t- village gets thousands and thousands. It's fun. It's it really is fun. so fun. And it's not a wild... Um, like Sturge's crazy, horrible thing. It's just so much fun to see these big bikers and or beautiful Italians in their outfits, in their whole racing gear. Germans, Italians. People drinking wine, from, yeah. eating truffles. And it's just fantastic. It's fun. People come from all over. All um, yeah, so we're really excited about 2017. We're um, working on the calendar, like we said. Um, check back. We've got some spring packages on there. Um, and the... Um, like we said, the jarring and preserving, we're going to be doing some other really fun things. Um, a winemaker's dinner throughout the summer where you guys will have a really cool chance to have a intimate one-on-one dinner with a, well, not one-on-one, but the house. <laughs> we'll eat with a, a local winemaker and you guys can ask them all your questions and we'll do a beautiful pairing of dinner with the wines and just make a really nice evening of it. Well, I think it's really cool for someone who really, really digs wine and wants to, t- wants to talk to someone who actually is passionate and makes the wine. Because it's one thing in talking to a sommelier who knows about wine. It's a whole other thing to basically talk to a guy who grows the grapes and then makes the wine. It's a totally different conversation. knowing many winemakers, knowing how busy they are, also, even when you stop in for a wine tasting, they'll give you their time as much as they can, but they're in the middle of their work day as well out here. So for them to come to our kitchen and into the dining room and they're able to relax and they're able to step away from the work for a little bit, enjoy a meal, have a great um, evening. And I think it'll be really fun. I'm excited. I, we're going to hopefully start with Terra Cruda. Yeah. The thing I love about these guys is that first and foremost, they're farmers. They're like, I, that's what I mean. They're, just, <laughs> they're agricultural people. So it's, you th- it's not this snooty thing of, of they're sitting there with, you know, uh, eyedroppers and putting it on. No, no, no. These guys have red stained hands and, They've been in the in their you know the cantina the laboratorios you know in the afternoon because in the morning they were looking at all the vi- I mean they're really that's agricultural I mean. people that when you show up for a wine tasting at um at someone's winery here <laughs> not only most likely are you at their home but you are at hundred percent at their office so they are happy to see you and share their wine and story but they have shit to do <laughs> like Juicy's always so kind but it's then I feel bad because I'm like man I know that guy's got so much work to do yet well it's he's... part of it's part of the gig mm-hmm. it's part of the gig so I'm really excited to get that going so we've got some fun things coming and a few that we're not ready quite to announce but um 
check back. And you guys, thank you so much for sticking with us. Check our website as well. Um, if you go to NHM blog, the no half measures, um, side of our life, you can see some of our videos from summer. I put together a 60 seconds of summer, a quick, like a little fun look at what we've been up to. And I'll put a nice longer version together when I have some time. And, um, Days are getting shorter. The air has changed. I know. It's good. Jason shudders at the thought of turning on the heating. Ugh. I get to close the pool, though. <laughs> That's true. And we need to order wood. And we got to order wood. It's that time. It's that we got to talk to Pierangelo. I know. Well, it's time to get back to work. Today, we got a big day. We got uh, guests coming tomorrow. So it's the uh, clean through. The, it's the final clean through the house. And then... Um, and then we're on until... Until the end. Until, until November. November. So... Back to it. You might not get another podcast till then. <laughs> um, you guys are awesome. Thanks for listening. Make sure to um, follow us on for La Tabla Marque at um, Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. I'm posting pictures and little stupid videos and boomerangs and stuff every day. Um, L-A-T-A-V-O-L-A-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. And you can find that also for Twitter, Blogspot, all of that, the recipes. Um, you can find more of our films and travels on nhmblog.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at Ashley Bartner. Yep. Check out the website. Visit us. Keep listening. Thank you, guys. Ciao. Ciao. Sentire Media. Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentire Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com, that's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com, and find out how to submit your show.